0: I'm AJ Bianco from Podcast PD, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows in the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another great episode of My Tech Life I am excited to be here with you all today on this wonderful Saturday morning or it may be well into Sunday wherever you are. It all depends where you're joining us from in the world. But thank you so much for making my EdTech life what it is today. And I am so excited about today because we have two amazing guests here on the show. And I might add one of these guests is our very first three time guest on the podcast. So I would love to welcome to the show. Dr. Matthew Woods, and Dr. Sam Fesich to the show. How are you all doing this morning? Hey, good morning. Doing
2: well.
0: Excellent. Matt, how are you doing this morning? Good. I think that you uh, were thinking about Matthew Wood for a second, and you said Matthew Wood. But... Oh, my gosh. I am so sorry. Hey, it's all part of being live. Yeah, we were talking about Matthew Woods. So,
1: Matthew Woods, if your ears were burning, said Matthew Woods because we have our first three-time guest, which is Matthew Rhodes all right dr matt rhodes and then of course sam festage matt rhodes my apologies to you to all our audience members it was a great talk very energetic pre uh, show so and i'm highly caffeinated but that's the way it goes but i do want to say thank you to dr matt rhodes who is our first three-time guest here on my edtech live so thank you so much for everything that you've contributed from your very first book when we first met during pandemic then of course the second book. I know you've written more books, uh, but this is the first time that you're on here for the third time, and obviously, so hopefully, we're going to have a great conversation. But I do want to celebrate you and the work that you're doing. But also, Doctor Sam Fessage, uh, we are both on the Edu Podcast Network, and uh, yes. you know, this is the first time that we connect to as well. And I am excited and delighted to have you on the show today as well, as you are also a well-known author, and you are also part of the crew. That wrote this amazing book that we're going to be oh, talking yeah. about, Crush It From The Start, 50 Tips for New Teachers. So, okay, let's go ahead and do that one one more time. So, Dr. Rhodes, how are you doing this morning?
0: <laughs> hey, I'm doing great. And I, I've just always loved the Maya Tech Life podcast. It's something that um, I share in my newsletters to teachers and our consortia. And I listen to it all the time. to listen to amazing educators, creators. Um, they be inspired. And, um, you know, I always appreciate the content you have on your guests and it definitely inspires me. So I'm excited to be here this morning.
1: Uh, well, thank you so much, Matt. Checks in the mail, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But thank you, man. I really appreciate it because I know we go a long way. And then again, like I mentioned, I'm really excited to connect with Sam, too, as well. And hopefully this won't be the first time that you're on the show, we'll definitely have to get you back on too for, right. you know, just do a series. And and like I said, my my platform is always open to any educators and creators that are doing some great things and just want to amplify what they're doing, their stories, and just great conversations. So I'm really excited about today. But first, before we dive into the meat, which is going to be this amazing book talking about really what we're seeing in education and how every the content in this book is something that is amazing and I love the practicality of it. And for any new teacher, this is something that is easy to follow because you hit on so many important points that many of us wish we knew this before we got into education so we can be ready always to improvise, adapt, and overcome. But before we do that, for all our audience members who are connecting with us, thank you so much. But also for those new audience members that are joining us or will be listening to the show that may not be familiar with your work yet. Uh, Dr. Rhodes, can you give us a brief introduction and your context and education? And then we'll move on to Dr. Sam Fesich.
0: Definitely. So, you know, it's really interesting. Maybe a lot of people get confused if I do on a daily basis, but I uh, so. Essentially, I have hands in K-12, higher ed, and adult education. My main thing that I do is I work as basically the tech integrationist and instructional leader for a consortium of adult schools. We have six schools, including a community college, and I work with about 100 teachers or so, and then admin and support staff, all related to teaching and learning on integrating tech as well as instructional strategies to help us learn. So I work a lot on teams, one-on-one coaching, going into classrooms every day, going into uh, ESL. I go into nursing. I go into computer science. I go into um, high school diploma. I go into, we have a wide variety of programs. So it's really fun because I get to see a lot of adults ages 18 to 80 within our programs and we support them. And um, it's it's a really um, Fun experience get to do a lot of professional development as well, and I get to go to the different schools every day, which is a lot of fun too. Because you get to see different program schools, people, different dynamics. So um, that's the main thing that I tend to do. And then I also work for uh, San Diego State University in the Dual Language English Language Learning Department, and I work with new teachers in multiple subject and single subject. So they teach in English and Spanish in the classroom. So we coach them in that process. And then I also work with doc students at my alma mater, Concordia University, Irvine on their dissertation. So I have hands in these various areas. So that gives me a good, I I hope that gives me a good lens of kind of what's going on and uh, really enjoy it because I get to work with a wide variety of different people in education.
1: Excellent. Well, thank you so much. And in between all of that, obviously, author, podcaster, and, you know, social media, blogger, sharer, connector, and all of those things as well. So thank you so much, Matt. Uh, Dr. Fesage, please, if you can give us a brief introduction also and your context in education.
2: Yeah, of course. Well, I think what's really interesting about me and Matt, we are both former special ed teachers. So that's pretty cool. Uh, so we both bring that lens to the talk today. Um, But yeah, so my day job is working with future teachers at Grove City College in Pennsylvania. So if you're a Grover alum, shout out to you all listening today, um, where I get to teach future teachers all about ed tech and special ed. And I love how ed tech and special education play so nicely together because technology can truly make the impossible possible for some of our students with special needs through adaptive technology and accessibility options. So I absolutely love working with our future teachers, raising up that next generation of educators they are in good hands because these teachers that are coming up are phenomenal. Um, I also present at conferences locally and nationally about ed tech and special ed, and an author and podcaster, and a most important job, a mom and a wife. So, yeah, love it. Love what I do. Love the impact we're making, and I can't wait to get into today's talk.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that introduction. And like I said, for myself, just a longtime follower, a longtime fan. And of everything that you guys put out. I'm always there just uh, lurking and saving and learning and so on. So today I'm really excited that we do get to chat about this book. That's wonderful. And like I said, I do also want to shout out the other authors. I couldn't make it here today, but maybe sometime in the future, we can get the other group, too, as well. So we can go ahead and get, uh, you know, their perspective on this. But um, can you uh, let me see, Matt, can you go ahead and share who the other authors were, too, of the book?
0: Yeah, so we have Kevin Leichmann. Uh He uh, works as an adjunct and consultant, um, and he focuses a lot on burnout and um, culture responsive teaching equity. And so he discusses a lot of that in the book. So just if you're reading the book, there's different voices, um, but we have a combined voice as well. So just know that there's people that, if you know us really well, then you may know what we wrote. Um, but um that, that's Kevin and he's he's fantastic. And then we have uh Casey Jacobowski, uh, who is the other author, and he writes a lot about um well, just for example, um I forget what tip number it was, but the faculty room was his tip.
2: And page one thirty two
0: tip thirty two, right? So, no, tip. Um, it's on page one hundred and thirty two. I I did a little earmark on it. <laughs> Yeah, so he, he wrote he writes an odd tips about like school culture, um, and also just some really just like practical uh things that you can do to just help make your life more sustainable. But all each of those co-authors are are fantastic to work with. And and what was really fun about this book is that we really just hit the ground running and really just enjoyed the process and we got this done quite quickly for a publication. And I can tell you that um you know it's very organic. We determined which tips that we wanted to, you know talk about based on kind of our expertise and our experiences and uh it then this ultimately came together. It was such I think it was a, one of my most fun publications, right
1: That's wonderful so Sam, uh, let me ask you, okay, so first of all, you know all of a sudden, I know you said, Matt, you mentioned this that you're writing this for a publication, but tell me a little bit about just the process of how all of you all just ended up getting together. <laughs>
2: Sure, through social media, of course, because we've never, none of us have ever met in real life. Um, so it was, I think it was through Twitter and um, Matt reached out and I was like, hey, can I bring Kevin along? And and, and, and Matt's like, yeah, I'll bring Casey. We're like, "Okay, hey, let's all meet up. This will be great. And then it was the sharing of Google Docs and ideas and Zoom meetings. And it was just a lot of synergy that got us going and excited for this project. Um, What's also really cool in the book, there's four critical conversations that we have, and it's like you're listening in or reading um, our conversation that we had about different topics um, that are very timely for now ne- for, for being a teacher um, in 2022-2023 school year. So we talk about um, we talk about trigger alert, um, suicide uh, prevention. Uh, we talk about um, critical race theory. Um, and lots of and some other topics that are really true to being a teacher today, and those were really fun to do because we can learn from each other's ideas. We just kept bouncing off each other. It was just synergy is a great word for it because that that's what it was, and it was a fantastic conversation. I got to learn a lot from my colleagues, and we got some stuff for the book, which was great.
1: Yeah, no, and see, and that's the one thing that I love is all of you all got together, and I mean combined. And I can't believe like all of that stuff. I know that you probably had more than what went into the book, but what went into the book was lovely because what I had seen, and I've been through several induction programs that usually will bring somebody in, into our district. They have a program. Uh, The thing is, is that that program just stays within central office and then it never really makes its way out into the campuses. But what I love about this is that this is something that is great that any new teacher, and that even has to be a new teacher. It could be first year, second year, third year. It doesn't really matter because a lot of these tips now, like you said, is something of those conversations that need to be had now, something that is updated and recent. But it doesn't right. hurt for us, no matter how long we've been in education, to really just look back and see how we can refine our practice a little bit more and just get a little bit up to date with some new tips. Like I always say on the show, is just finding something here that you can sprinkle on to what you are already doing great and making it better and enhancing your experience as a teacher personally in the classroom with all the battles that we may face or see everything that comes our way but also that we can adjust and adjust instruction to help enhance the learning for our students and that way they can have a way better experience so as i was looking through this book as you know and seeing it i absolutely love how you guys put down these like reflection pieces here that is my a favorite part. <laughs> yes, that as a teacher, you know, we can kind of just take it in, read through it, reflect, write things down. And so it also becomes your own little journal, right. your own way to just have something in writing that you can always revert back to. And maybe someday in the near future, this can be passed along to somebody else too, oh. with all of those notes and all of that wisdom shared to them. And so that's something that's really exciting for me as I saw this book. So and, now uh, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> and
2: and that's why we made it so big. So it can be a reflective piece. It's kind of like the size of a workbook. So we have those spots for reflection embedded right there for you to just jot them down as you're reading, because the tip is great. Okay, now what? Well, let's reflect on it. How are you going to put this into practice?
1: Exactly. So let's, and I'm, let's go back and forth here. So Sam, I'll start with you first. Uh, I know that you work also, you know, in teaching and of course you're working with students all the time, college level students and so on. But what have been some of the things that you've seen as your students come in and you're prepping them for, you know, going into teaching? What have been some of the things that you see we need to do a little bit better in a college prep program?
2: Sure. So I think just the, the ability to have first a growth mindset. Um, being open to new opportunities. Don't always stick to your schedule. Be flexible. Another one would be be okay with taking risks, trying something new. For example, if let's say we we kind of always revert back to the way we were taught. If we're in a secondary classroom, maybe it's a lot of lecture. So try something new. Shake it up a bit. Just try it one time and see how it goes. Take a little step. Maybe try a Nearpod. See how students react to it. See how it does with your lesson design and your lesson delivery, your timing, your pacing, your engagement, um, student interest. You know, you can do all kinds of different interactive pieces within there, but try new things. Have a growth mindset. Be open to trying these new things. And then reflecting on your practice because i think oftentimes we can go through the steps of okay i taught what went well what didn't go well what would i do differently okay those are pretty lame reflection questions let's try to like sprinkle some glitter on them and change them up for each lesson that we teach so being reflective in our practice is something that i wish i knew as a new teacher because i'll be honest i'm just gonna off the box like yeah that sounds good um but truly being reflective is going to help you out in the long run. I tell my students, it's going to help your future self. Your future self will thank you when you've reflected on it now instead of like three months from now. And you can make those changes. Um, yeah, so I would say growth mindset, try something new and be reflective in your practice.
1: Absolutely. I love that. Now, Matt, going on to you, I know that you see all sorts of different perspectives. And in now in your current role and what you're seeing and obviously in what you're still doing and and helping a lot of teachers what have been some of the biggest obstacles this year that you have seen and maybe like at the beginning and compare it to what you're seeing now?
0: Currently. Well, I think in K-12, it's behavior. I think K-12 behavior, I, I spoke some the other day um, that I think that in K-12 across the United States, main School, there's a behavior crisis um, because there's a lot, um, I think of traumas going back from the pandemic and. I think there's a lot of polarization of things that have occurred, which have kind of eroded, um, certain things that maybe, you know, it, it depends on either way you go on these issues, but I, I think that it, it does cause, um, mm. problems for holding certain people accountable and, um, a lot of schools are facing that right now. And I, and I feel really horrible for teachers because they're having to navigate this and I ultimately want to create sustainability for them, how, how can they, you know, support these students and navigate these challenges. And I think that we try our best to provide them with a a handbook of doing so. You're never going to be perfect in being able to um, navigate some of these challenges, but we don't want you to burn out. And ultimately I think the goal of this is for you, how can you do this in a way that is sustainable, given that there's a lot of external things you cannot control? And, um, so when I'm thinking of K-12, I really wanted to focus on, on that. So that was, um, a lot of our tips and a lot of just kind of what we were discussing in the book, how can you be sustainable in terms of navigating the classroom with students, your workflow, as well as personally, how can you not take things as personal or how can you step away and create a boundary between your work and your personal life? Um, so. That was kind of a lot of what I wanted to focus on because of kind of, it's really hard right now to be a teacher. I think in the climate that we're in, it's one of the worst to be an educator. And I want to make sure that teachers stay, um, in the classroom. I don't want people to leave the profession and I want to provide them with ideas of how they can do their job in a sustainable way while maybe not necessarily the traditional way that they were taught, but I think the world has changed and we got to make sure that we have a good workflow and able to navigate a lot of different types of students and technology in the class, as well as a lot of external things that we may not have control over, but how do we, um, you know, navigate that in a way that we can balance that and not take things personally and enjoy our life outside the classroom. Absolutely. I want to add here
1: with Josh. Thank you so much, Josh, for joining us here on the show this morning, too. He says consistency and love will bring down discipline issues. Connect with them before you're, you you yes. content with them. All right. I love that. You know, and then uh, he adds on administration also need to follow consistency and love role model expectations.
0: I love so, that. That's that's exactly that's exactly two facets of the, uh, you know? what everyone needs to be doing. So I appreciate those comments. (laughs)
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Josh. Uh, Sam, did you want to add anything? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So Matt shared that it is a very tough time to be a teacher, the environment, the climate that we're teaching in. But I got to say, I truly still believe that is the best profession on the planet. And there's no other job like it. You're going to have days where you're uh, crying in your car or days where your face hurts from smiling and everything in between. But it truly is the best profession on the planet. And just like Matt said, I don't want people to leave. It's a great, it's a great career.
1: Absolutely. And I agree with you on on that aspect. You know, it, times were very different. And like I said, I'm going to age myself because I was texting uh, Matt yesterday as we were getting ready for the chat today and everything. But I remember my first year coming in again, transitioning from, you know, business into education. And because I had enough math credits in college and like, hey, you can be a math teacher. And I was like, OK. And I remember when I first came in, it was really just here are two big red three inch ring binders with transparencies for all the lessons that you're going to be Ooh. doing. And that was really it. There really wasn't like, let's say, a mentorship or a mentor at all, somebody. But I was lucky enough that I had a great teacher across the hall and right next door that were kind enough to say, "Hey, come here! Like, let me show you what's going on. Let me just walk you through." And they kind of walked me through those things. But then after that, it's kind of like you're on your own trying to figure things out. What helped me though is this, those transferable skills from marketing, you know, and sales, and being in the classroom. And that's where, you know, I often say, you know, it's that improvisation, that adaptation, that overcoming those situations by knowing your your students. Now things. It still, it would be know your students, know who they are, build those connections, like uh, Josh says, and I absolutely agree that those those things can w- have withstood the test of time. That many times, if you do make those connections, but like you mentioned, it, it it has been a lot tougher, and obviously, we see a lot of negativity on social media. You see on the news, you see a lot of these things that really make people think, like, oh. Oh my gosh, what am I getting into? Or cause others to say, you know what, right. this is it. I'm calling it. But I think oftentimes it's we may take on somebody else's, you know, burdens and that, you know, causes that burnout, like we okay. see in the book too, that we talk about those things. So I want to ask you to both of you, because I know you kind of mentioned a little bit about that work-life balance and so on. So we'll start with you, Sam. What has been your experience or what would be some of the great tips that you can share with teachers? As far as finding that work-life balance, to just make sure. sure that they're always, you know, in a nice equilibrium and you know, ready to go each day.
2: Sure. So I think there's, I think the work-life balancing is like a unicorn. It sounds nice, but is it really <laughs> real? Um, so some of the tips that I like to do is to um, set boundaries around your time, and that includes like getting back to students. For me, it's, I teach adult learners, so getting back to students, I do not like. Um, DM or anything that or anything like after 6 p.m. Brent Cooley, I don't know if you've ever had him on this show, but he shares in his book and as you influence about um, feeding the stray cat, meaning if you continue to answer them after a certain time, they're going to keep, you know, trying to respond back. So setting strict boundaries around your time and don't feed the stray cat. (laughs) I thought That's really great. Um, So I, I do that. I do tell my students, hey, if you Text me or anything past like six o'clock, I probably won't get back to you till 6 a.m. the next day. Um, also, I do like uh, an email, so I give me 24 hours to respond. If I don't respond within 24 hours on a weekday, something's going on. 48 for the weekend. I like to have a life with my family, so I do try to like put some strict boundaries on my time that way I can be focused when I'm at school and I'm focusing with my students or when I'm at home, I can focus in on my family and my loved ones. And then I can take some time for myself, which is something that I wish I learned as a first year teacher. Cause I was that teacher coming in early, staying late, Mm -hmm. doing like the big, big projects. And I read on Instagram the other day, the teacher that stays past contract hours is not necessarily the best teacher. And I thought that was really interesting because um it goes to show like we are taking up our own time past those contract hours we are going if we're saying yes to something that means we are saying no to something else so be aware of what you're saying yes what you're saying no to and if you are excited about it if you're going to be excited about it when that date comes to do that thing for example can you can you come and volunteer on this saturday oh my gosh that sounds great are you going to be excited that saturday to get up early and do it i don't know maybe maybe not so a great way to like kind of someone asks you hey can you do something or can you volunteer this extra time?" let me think on that and get back to you you know something like that so you don't say yes right away because i'm a yeah i'll do that that sounds great i'm like well let's think about it do i have time to do that do i have the bandwidth is it in my wheelhouse that type mm-hmm. of thing so I- setting those strict boundaries it's hard some days are fuzzier than others but um i think if you start practicing um saying no it's okay to say no first teacher, first year teacher. You do not have to say yes to everything Um, and practice leaving on contract time at least two times a week. See how it feels. Don't take anything home. See how it feels. Get a, get a, like a buddy to go with you to leave at three o'clock out the door. Let's go. Um, So those would be some tips that I wish that I knew about as a first year teacher.
1: Oh, absolutely. I remember sometimes even in my feed, you know, I, I see pictures of myself like saying, Hey, just leaving and it's like 6 30 or 7. Of course, at the yeah. time I was single and I was like, okay, That's I'm going go ahead prep. But still it was just like, now I'm like, oh my gosh, like I was staying there. And like you mentioned, it's like, you know, that could have been time that I could have used more with, even just with my, my parents, you know, yeah. things that I could have been into another interest and so on. But yeah, it's very important. And oftentimes what I notice is that many people, kind of do that and they kind of wear like a badge of honor like oh i stayed here till 9 p.m and i am doing this and i'm on 24 7 365 and it's almost like that's that's my badge like i am colonel here at all times but really like how effective or, or efficient are you if you're staying that late maybe you're taking on too much that you're it's causing you to stay that late rather than prioritizing what you need to do so yeah something to think about there I kind of want to add just a couple of things here that Josh sent because I I do want to share these comments because these are great. So Josh says here, you know, we are the best profession, the profession that creates all other professions. Yes. yes. Then he says here, the best teachers and administrators know how to mark marker to their kids and their parents are maybe marketing or a marketeer or something. But yeah, yeah, that's absolutely great. And Amanda Macias also love this comment. Systems should be set up so that burnout isn't normalized in education. All right. So Matt, how about yourself? Um, Any thoughts, any ideas as far as what we're seeing? I, I know, like I mentioned, especially on TikTok, there's that other side of TikTok that is really like, you know, and maybe you've heard Maggie Perkins too. She's been huge. She's been blowing up. She was actually on my show and she, you know, career change from teaching to Costco and just talking about the differences and similarities between working and both, but it was just too much. So what are some ideas that you have or that you have seen that can help teachers you know, combat yeah. that burnout?
0: So I think what Sam says is it's key with regard to boundaries, but I also think it regards to think less is more with your workflow. There are certain things as a teacher you just don't have to do. Um, I think people spend way too much time just thinking about that creative like sparkly lesson, which I don't think is necessary. I think utilize five to 10 different templates for various parts of your lesson and utilize instructional strategies that go with that and focus on content, agnostic and strategies. So thinking routines are just, you know, traditional six instruction, one from modeling, guided practice, pair share to independent practice. Then come back whole group, provide whole group feedback. Um, I mean keep it simple, get good at those simple things. You don't need to, you know, develop a new, huge, awesome project for 25 different students in your class. That's not sustainable. Um, I think you can put in things like project-based learning, but you have to be really consistent with what your expectations are for yourself. And I think another thing is to not grade everything at all. I mean, just if you're going to grade, then maybe grade one thing a week or make it very much an assessment based thing that you're grading each week. Um, that's why I like if we're going to go with any sort of grading model, um, I like the standard based grading approach because then you can go back and complete the, um, tasks or problems that you need to work on. And then you can earn, you know, on that rubric from that three to five or whatever you have it based. Um, so don't grade everything. You know, you know. I, I know that students, you, you know, we have a culture of places where if the student doesn't think that it's graded, they're not going to do it. So in your class from the very get-go, you, they may turn in a bunch of work, but you're only going to grade one or two things a week or provide feedback on. Provide whole class feedback versus individualized feedback for everything. That, you know, reading 30 essays and marking all of them up, um, to be honest, most people will read maybe for about a couple minutes and you spent five minutes on it. So think about it this way. How about you look at the trends, like the top five things that the class did well, what are the top five things that the class needs to improve on? Discuss that, model that after the fact. And then if the students are still struggling, go work with them individually to see what the problem is. And we may have already flagged A number of them because you've just scanned them and seen that so that's another strategy so i think that we really need to think about the workflow piece almost as much as important as the boundary piece because if you have a good workflow in terms of your instructional um flow then it's going to be more sustainable and if you're consistent with those three to five strategies that you're using all the time in your class and um I really think that if you do that versus trying to recreate and build everything from scratch, um, then you're going to, you're going to save a lot of time and you're going to save a lot of sanity, I think. And it keeps it simple and clear for, t- for kids. We want a high degree of teacher clarity. When you keep it simple, your clarity is likely to be higher.
1: Absolutely. Before we uh, move on to Sam, uh, let me go ahead and just add this because Amanda, I love what you put here. It says, not everything needs to be written on or a worksheet. And then, of course, conversation is powerful, too, as well. All right, Sam, anything you'd like to add on the topic of grading?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So my first thing would be uh, to batch your grading. So pick a day that that's your grading day. And so for me, that's Friday. I know it's not fun for Fridays, but I, it's my grading day. So I sit down like, all right, I'm going to grade everybody's project A or response A, whatever they did. And then that way I can go ahead and I can see some themes. Also having like... um a key for like feedback so like this response is like yeah you definitely hit the mark you got all the you met all the points you met all the criteria nice example like those types of things and then having like a response for it let's work on this one part let's let's clarify this a little bit more so having like some key responses that you're putting in for feedback and being timely with your feedback um with your students. So having a, a key or something like that could really be helpful. I had a colleague who had an Excel spreadsheet that he somehow, I don't know, Excel is magical. He put in a number and it popped up with like the comments. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And that took a while to like start to get used to. I'm like, that's really cool because if you're doing um similar feedback across say those 30 essays you can pull some of those pieces tweak it a little bit for this student and then you're not like wasting your time retyping the same comment or a similar comment throughout or how did I phrase that last time so having like a library or like a key of sorts when you're giving feedback and batching that content could be really helpful when grading.
1: I love that and touching on what Matt shared too as far as You know routines and workflow. I personally, this was what also one of my favorite, the in-person classroom routines and combining digital. So it was this section of the book right here where you also have a table where you can share whether it's in-person routine or digital routine and what Mm -hmm. you can do. So I mean, this book is just so practical. It's like you mentioned, it's your journal. It's a living document. You can go back and forth. And just change and tweak things and so on. So that's what I love about this. But going along with grading, too, as well, I wanted to add up my last four years that I was in the elementary level I was doing, I think it was like fifth and sixth grade. Those two years, I think I did six and then two years that I did fifth. But grading, you know, I I was kind of doing ungrading before I I learned about it. But really what it was. (laughs) is everything was kind of like a, a project based but everything was consistent all week I did science and social studies and I did math but really I wasn't grading every day I was grading like major assessments and projects but what I would do is we would start the unit at the beginning of the week I do my initial teach then the students would have their time to do their discovery you know get engaged or learn more about the topic but usually what I would do is I would pick teams at the beginning of the week or they would pick teams depending on the class and the structure and everything. And it was, all right, guys, this is what you're going to prepare. And I already had an outline for them for each section of the chapter, the book, and then say, okay, you guys are all going to work together and I want a finished product. And I told them it could either be a Google slide presentation, but you will be presenting in front of the class. You can do something with Screencastify. You can go ahead and do uh, you can even write if you want, or you can draw if you want to do a poster. So those expectations were there, but I did give them a little a rubric of what, what needed to be included. And what that did is it kind of set the expectation of what they needed to do. And they didn't focus so much on the grade, but they focused more on the learning because they wanted to make sure that they can check off all the boxes, max out on points and so on. So it wasn't always like that question, well, like, is this going to be for a grade? Is this going to yeah. be for a grade? They knew that it was going to be for a grade because at the end it was going to be a finished product. And what I loved about that is, you know, I had learning artifacts that were both physical, they were digital. And the plus side on this, too, that I found out those four years is when I did need to go into an IEP meeting or a 504 meeting, I was prepared with digital learning artifacts to share that. growth from the beginning of the year to, the, to that given point in time where a student Maybe get their IEP or 504 adjusted and saying, hey, look, I want to show you where they are, where they are now. Maybe we can tweak a couple of things, whether they needed a little bit more or less support. But the evidence was there where oftentimes I've been present at IEP meetings where, you know, you'll ask the teachers like, so how are they doing? Well, they're failing. Well, why are they failing? Well, they're not passing the test. Well, why aren't Uh they passing the test? Well, they're just not studying but they it, the only evidence is just that final assessment where mm-hmm. they have the 70 but there isn't anything showing like hey like what was the process what was the teaching component so those if anything would be my piece of advice too like you said to add to what you're saying is you don't have to grade everything but the students also felt a sense of oh my gosh I better do the best that I can to max out on points mm-hmm. and but they were focused more let's learn let and when they presented language acquisition for my emergent bilinguals because they practice the language, they practice proper academic vocabulary and all of those things. And it was great to see their growth from beginning of the year to the end of the year. So that's something that I love that helped me tremendously not have to take, you know, a bag or a crate home to grade on the weekends <laughs> that just stays the at the corner. Yeah, stays at the corner and it's not even checked. And all of a sudden it's eh, completion, completion. It's all good. yeah. So, just some tips there, you know, something practical. But yeah, I absolutely love what you mentioned about that. Very powerful. All right. So let's go back to Matt here. So Matt, as far as the book is concerned, the layout, I'm looking here at the layout. I love the way that you grouped everything all together here. So tell us a little bit more for all our audience members here. You know, how did you come up with the idea of, you know, the progression of the book?
0: Yeah, so we we, when we are designing the book, we had a couple questions of, you know, someone's going to, someone person can go and read this book and look at any tip they want and see what they would like. But at the same time, we also felt if it was a new teacher or even a pre-service teacher that, Hey, you're starting it, you know, hopefully, you know, more towards the beginning of the year. And we focused more towards building that person's repertoire as they go through that school year. So I think that we designed it in a way that, Someone can look at it and read it from tip number one all the way to tip 50, as well as just anyone wanting to put in the uh, you know, look at any tip they want, they can go in at any time and read that tip or critical conversation. So, either way, definitely works.
1: Em, how about your thoughts?
2: I like that the way the layout is, like we talked about earlier, there's a tip and then there's an action part. So, I can read this. I don't know about you, but I like to. All right, I read it. Well, now what do I do? Here it gives you a critical question to add or a reflection question to ask yourself. And you can also share it out on socials. We're trying to build that new teacher, beginning teacher community through the hashtag, which is a lot of fun. And we, we've noticed a reader has, one, one reader in particular, um, Recy Gruns, has been posting, oh my gosh, this tip is great. And then her reflection on it, which has been really powerful for us to see how um, individuals are using the book as a reflection piece, but then also how they're implementing that.
1: I love it. And so Amanda has a question here. Her question is, does your book have a building, uh, a classroom climate and culture section? So, Matt, I don't I have to look at the uh,
0: glossary right now, but I'm I do believe we <laughs> touch on it. I do believe we touch about that quite a bit. Yes. Uh, you, 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 tips, so.
1: Yeah, Amanda, and I can vouch for that, that they do not necessarily like in those words, but the, the climate or building a good uh, climate and culture in this section. One thing that I loved here that they had, it was a table of, you know, finding student strengths. And to me, that is something that's great. As you get to know your students, you want to know what some of their strengths are, their weaknesses, because then that helps also build that culture within the classroom and how you can go ahead and help. So, that's one useful tip also that I found because, again, just personally speaking, coming in from that marketing uh, and sales, it's I got to know my customer and I got to know how they're going to buy the subject. I got to know how I'm going to sell them algebra, science, math, social studies. So then I got to play to their strengths. And then build up their weaknesses during that that time. And also the good thing about being a salesman is that sometimes there's things that you don't need to sell on a student because they may not need it at the time. So it helps you adjust. But I, that's one thing that I love, too, as well, as far as the strengths.
2: We also talk about the power, I think it was mentioned earlier, of knowing your students first before you teach them the content. So the yeah. power relationships over starting that content from day one. So we have something like Bye Bye Syllabus day one. Um, so we're not even going to discuss it on the first day. We're going to focus more on building those relationships. No matter what grade level you teach, K through adult learner, building relationships is key.
1: Absolutely. I'm, I'm with you on that. And usually what happens is right day one, it's like, okay, here's, we're open up to chapter one or open up to this chapter. And you really don't take that time to build those relationships. And that's something that's crucial At the very beginning, I mean, if you show that you care, uh, you know, you want to get to know them and even as cheesy it may be as an activity that you do. But I mean, it it doesn't matter. Like you're getting to know your students, you're getting that feedback, whether they kind of, you know, want to participate or not. And my practice, uh, going back and reflecting, I would take that whole first week and I wouldn't even teach. I was just getting to know my students, memorizing their names, knowing their last names, pronouncing everything. As best as I could, because I wanted them to know that they're coming to a place where somebody is taking the time to get to know them, not only just by name, but really, really get to know their likes, their dislikes. So I know how to work with them at the end. Oftentimes teachers would tell me it's like you're spending a whole week like you haven't even taught anything. I said, I guarantee you that the return on investment and the return on instruction is going to be much greater as I move through because I'm going to have less discipline problems because I have already built that culture, that expectation. We know what we're going to be doing and everybody knows each other's strengths and weaknesses. And honestly, that is one of the things that the last four years in the classroom I learned and I absolutely love because it made my job. A lot easier where it was more student-centered than teacher-centered and we all did great we all had fun and of course the test scores showed uh, that now again not to take away from other teachers because good teaching is good teaching Mm -hmm. and sometimes good teaching is you know teacher centered because there are some teachers that can really deliver magical lessons so it's important that for us as teachers when you give us those reflection pieces here it's important that you write down, you know, what's working, what's not and how to tweak it. And that's one thing, like I mentioned again, it will definitely help you crush it at the very beginning if you start with that.
2: Yeah, students need to come into your classroom feeling valued, appreciated and seen no matter what grade that you teach. So I like how you said that RTI, the return on instruction, mm-hmm. is so it's so much um It's so much more enriched whenever you've spent that time to build up the relationships within your classroom and get to know the students as the unique individuals that they are. They all have those strengths, talents, uh, values that they hold dear. And I love how you also shared about differentiated instruction. Um, with the different projects that they could do to show what they know in a different way. I think someone mentioned UDL in the chat here. I mean, that's also a great way for you to get to know your students. Where are they glowing? What do they love to do? What do they love to create? And then use that as a way for them to show what they've learned in in that lesson.
1: Excellent. All right. So guys, as we start wrapping up, you know, I just wanted to end just kind of with one last question before we go into my favorite segment too, as we get to close out just on a you know on a little fun note there too as well. But uh we'll start with Matt. You know, how can new teachers best support themselves as they navigate through their first year? I mean, I know that they'll this will definitely help, but <laughs> what would be some of your best advice to share with them?
0: Um I think, well this is I think it's two part for schools and the teachers really have a mentor and a coach because or lean on a group of educators, because if you're able to talk and have a good relationship with a coach, mentor, or colleague within your department, then hopefully it will make things easier for you because they have experiences and wisdom that they can impart on you and you feel that you're not alone. And I think being a first year teacher or near new teacher, even a veteran teacher being siloed is to me, one of the worst feelings ever, because you may feel that I'm doing all these amazing things or, Hey, I'm struggling, but no one knows, no one cares. And, you know, I'm by myself. So I think really just getting a mentor coach group that you're connected with at your school site, that local support group. And then also if you have a group of new teachers that are in your district or uh, in your professional learning network, then gravitate towards that because that can help you um, now and in the long run.
1: Excellent. Dr. Sam.
2: All right. So I've been making notes right here and I wrote down as soon as you asked the question, like, oh, I know what I'm going to say PLN, but no, Matt took it. So now I got to think of something. <laughs> sound. Um, <laughs> can I say a virtual PLN, uh, professional learning network? So finding that support also on social media, whether that's Instagram and awesome Facebook group. I know Facebook's kind of old school, but there are some great groups out there. Um, Pinterest, you know, finding spaces where you can feel encouraged as a teacher, supported as a teacher, bounce ideas off each other. And social media is a great place to do that. Fudge your feed with positive vibes about education and something that's going to feed your teaching soul when it comes to um, social media. So that's what, that's what I would suggest. Find a place of encouragement and support Not only uh, be a lurker and a learner, but also share out what you're doing because you do have value as a first year beginning teacher. People want to learn from you. You just got out of college. What are the newest latest things that you're doing What's some cool research stuff that you're rocking and rolling with? So share out the great stuff that you're doing in your classroom. Get ideas from others and just make it this positive place that celebrates the best profession on the planet like we have shared earlier. Yes, it's tough. Yes, it's a it's a. Really strange climate that we're teaching in now, but it truly still is the best profession on the planet.
1: Absolutely. I love it. And I want to give a big shout out also to Jill, who's joining us here, says, joining in late, but excited to see these great humans do what they do best. And Jill also added here, you know, like you mentioned PLN, and I always shared this too. So I echo this the professional learning family, you know, and that's one thing that I always say. It's like, if you're a guest here on the show, your family, if you follow me on Twitter, your family because i'm learning from you and that's really what it is just making those connections uh you know and th- you're absolutely right it is so important and again just for teachers also to not feel you know although you feel like you're in a silo within your building because we know that the, the building climate can be very very difficult to navigate to as well but the fact that you can reach out to anybody through social media so it doesn't have to be in your building you can reach out to somebody even within your district or outside because it's always great to get different perspectives and see things through a new lens. And that's what I have loved about my time on Twitter, on Instagram, on all socials, and obviously doing this podcast, being able to get you know wonderful educators, pr- practitioners such as yourselves, and learn new things because I always say you always got to be ready in season and out of season. So the more that your skills like are sharpened, that. Yeah, the more that your skills are sharpened, the easier it'll be for you to improvise, adapt, and overcome. So that's what I love. Well, it has been an amazing chat. Matthew Rhodes, Sam Fesich, thank you so much for a wonderful time. I Again, as always, I appreciate the work that you do on your own. I appreciate the work that you do as a team. (laughs) And of course, thank you for this amazing book, Crush It From The Start, 50 Tips for New Teachers. Please make sure that you go out and get your copy as well. I have dropped the link in uh, the chat as well. So you can make sure you can find that on Amazon. And I'll let you guys right now share out also uh, your socials. So we'll start with Sam. Sam, for all our audience members watching, listening, what's the best way that they can go ahead and connect with you?
2: Yeah, I love connecting over on Instagram. You can find me at S-Festich, That's S-F-E-C-I-C-H. And you can find my work at sfessage.com. Like to keep Excellent. It
1: <laughs> and Matt, how can our audience members connect with you?
0: So on Twitter, you can find me at MattRhodes1990, on Instagram, DrRhodesEDU, and then you can uh, check out my blog, podcast, everything else that I have going on at MatthewRhodes.com.
1: Excellent. And all of that, guys, will definitely be in the show notes as well, so you can make sure you check that out. Once you check out uh, the replay and uh, go to our website and so on, so we'll make sure we don't leave you hanging. You will definitely get that contact info. All right, guys. So as we wrap up, this is one of my favorite spot, uh, you know, spots of the show too, where we kind of end on some questions here, a little kind of you know serious and then a little lighthearted and so on. So we'll start with Matt first. Matt, uh, this is going to be the first time you answer, or this is the first guest that will answer this question three times. And each time I know he's had a different answer, but we'll see what his answer is today. So uh, Dr. Matt Rhodes, in the current state of education, what would you say is your current edu-cryptonite?
0: kryptonite right. So edu is being something that is very difficult, correct?
1: Yeah, something that like, you know,
0: okay. yeah. Um, What's going on for me that is, I guess, way to frame it is, uh, I would say that there's a lot going on right now and just trying to narrow my focus on things. I mean, to be honest, there's have a lot of hands in a lot of different things. And I'm really trying to think about like, what's the most important things for me and what can I narrow it in on? Um, and what can best help the teachers that I'm working with now? We're at February 11th during this recording. So what right now in the school year can help the teachers that I'm working with, you know, navigate this time of the year, because I know it's a bit of a, you know, there's not that many breaks right now between January and spring break. So what's how can I support my teachers right now? Uh, I'm really not trying to teach them a whole lot of new things until and um, in, in the next month or so um, when we start another large professional development series. But right now it's like, maybe I don't bug them as much or maybe I just come in and say, nice compliment. Um, so I've got to think about right now, what's the best thing for my teachers, which is what I'm thinking about right now. And that's Excellent. my challenge.
1: Excellent. Sounds good. Thank you. All right, Dr. Fessage, what would you say is your current kryptonite
2: I would say keeping energy up, energy levels up for um, excitement because we just started a new semester where this will be our fourth week in. And not that I'm, done with with our second semester yet seems to be flying by but helping um students and myself keep our energy levels levels up and excited to to learn at 8 and 9 a.m on monday wednesday friday mornings it can (laughs) be a little tough so that is one thing i'm working through because i find that by friday uh we're getting a little tired of the week so (laughs) what are some ways we can spice that up a bit uh so one thing we started this week uh one of my students started um a little line dance during class I'm like okay i'll try that so i jumped in and i think we might have to do like a festage friday dance thing where we can get up try a new dance like i want to show them the macarena kick it old school right and they can show me whatever new dance is going on and we'll try it out so i think that might be fun just some different ways to keep energy going but it's also going back to connecting with students
1: I so a little it.
2: bit of content
1: yes i love that i actually i saw that video and i was like oh uh, wow yeah.
2: look at that
1: but i love that look at those love... horrible
2: dance moves
1: <laughs> <laughs> i love that but it's so it'll be what what did you say it was festage fridays or something there i don't you
2: know, know. I probably think of a better name for it than yeah. i can I love yeah.
1: it. well maybe that'll lead up into this next question for you uh sam so if you could have a billboard with anything on it what would it be and why so it's like Vestage Fridays.
2: I would say you are an educator of excellence. And I would try to keep that in mind each day, how you're bringing it for your students and reflective on, on the positives that you've done that day. Because it's really easy to get stuck in the weeds and the negativity. Um, oh, I didn't do that right. Or, oh, I should have explained that better. But what, what can we do now? What are some positive things that happened? Okay, something didn't go as planned. That's all right. We can reteach it. We can go back to it. We can firm that up next class it's okay focus on some good stuff you are an educator of excellence i would say that'd be a good billboard
1: excellent i love it all right dr matt what would be what would your billboard say on it
0: oh my gosh um that's a tough question (laughs) um oh man um i don't know i i really don't know right now what my billboard would say i'm not a great marketer i guess um (laughs) But uh, I, I I, would say right now, my billboard would say, um, gosh, um, I want you just to kick butt right now as an educator. I don't know. I just want you, this is a hard time of the year. So if I could say anything or just like essentially have a billboard, I guess right now, I'd have a teacher, you know, and they would just be really enthusiastic and they would be, um, I don't know, just some sort of image of you know kicking butt like they're they're doing a really good job right now like they're 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 going they're grinding and they're doing a really good job so something of that nature but i love
2: that
1: yeah. i can see that like kind of like a fist pump like yeah let's do yeah, it.
0: Let's, exactly let's kick butt. yeah
2: yeah i think that's it, your soundbite
1: yeah that is the <laughs> soundbite right there <laughs> all right so i know normally what i do is I, i'll say like okay if i was a guest on your show what would be one question you'd ask me but then i I talk a lot. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to switch this up today as not really a surprise. But now what I want to do is I want to start with Matt right now, Matt, in the current state of education. Tell me what is one thing that you are excited about right now in education?
0: Well, I'm, I'm excited about I mean, I'm, I'm working with some great just teachers that are veterans in the profession from, you know, teaching for 30 years, but they're excited to learn about something new, as well as my new teachers. So when I have groups of people that are like that, and I'd say I have uh, the vast majority are right now. And that's really exciting. I mean, having two pendulums of educators beginning their careers and more of them on the tail end excited to learn something new. To me, that is it's truly exciting. And it, it, it's invigorating. And it, um, definitely, it's something that um I'm grateful for.
1: Excellent. All right, Dr. Sam, what is one thing that you are excited about in education right now?
2: Yeah, I would have to go back to accessibility and ed tech. There's so many movers and shakers um, that are using educational technology as a tool to help support students to access curriculum. So shout out to Microsoft, who has Immersive Reader built into a lot of products that we do, like Flipgrid, or now Flip, or maybe it's called something else. I don't know, Flip. Um, Nearpod, Pear Deck. So accessibility and shining a light on UDL, differentiated instruction and how EdTech can help support our learners to show what they know in a way that suits their strengths and interests. So I would have to say EdTech has me really excited um, in the accessibility field, but then you know we also, for talking about edtech on in February in 23, we also have to talk about ChatGPT and artificial intelligence, right? Because that, oh my gosh, that is incredible. The stuff that ChatGPT can do. We there are some things we need to be cautious about. But a colleague and I were talking yesterday about having ChatGPT develop a paragraph, and then have, instead of a student writing it out, they can critique it, they can go and edit it, they can add their own stuff to it. So having um, technology do some heavy lifting, um, and then having our students work on finessing it and making it better. So, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff that we can do with educational technology, and I can't wait to see where we are from a year from now.
1: Absolutely. That's great. I definitely am excited about it now that the AI is really forward facing and up here, up close, because, you know, AI or at least some of those algorithms have been in place for a lot of the platforms that we use that put students on a learning path. And then, you know, they kind of give them that progression to master and so on. But now and a lot of teachers didn't see that. They're like, oh, yeah, the program does this. But now that it's forward facing, it's like, oh, my gosh but are now seeing the potential that it has. But also, like you said, exactly. also being very cautious as well. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it today. I am so pumped up. Thank you so much for the work that you both are doing. And of course, the rest of the authors too as well. And everybody listening again, go out there and crush it. Please make sure that you get your book. <laughs> link will be in the bio of the show and all the information and show notes. But uh, Dr. Rhodes, Dr. Fessage, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day and just to be here. And again, congratulations to Dr. Rhodes. all what right, he- for being our first three-time guest on the My Ed Tech Life podcast. And so for all our audience members also as well, Amanda, Josh, Jill, all of you that joined us and all of you that will be uh, watching this or listening to this on the replay, as always, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for making My Ed Tech Life what it is today. We do what we do to bring you the best conversations out there, to connect you with the most amazing educators and creators. And as you know, that is our mission, bringing educators and creators one show at a time. So please make sure you go to our website at myedtech.life, myedtech.life, where you can check out this episode and the other 173 other episodes, all right, where you can learn from amazing educators, take some of that knowledge, sprinkle it onto what you are already doing great. Great. And also, if you'd like to support our mission, please make sure you visit our website as well. There's a little tab there that says become awesome. You can buy us a cup of coffee, keep the creativity flowing. And as you know, all of that goes back to our show as well. So again, thank you as always. And until next time, my friends, don't forget, stay techie.